Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of... It's <coughs> a great name for a show. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the CDs Nuts podcast, the podcast where we're nuts about CDs. We're nuts about cassettes, vinyl records. If it's music, we love it. My name is Eric, and today I am joined by honorary blowfly and inventor of the Hat for Hats, Ian McKinnon. They said two hats was too many, and I said... No cap. That's the kid slang. So good job. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Ian, we need to talk. Oh God. Yeah. This is that's why. That's why we're here. Luckily for us, right? Otherwise, this would be really awkward. Um, <laughs> the other day, you were talking. The other day, the one of the last podcast. <laughs> one of those days. On one of the last podcasts, you had mentioned the Super Mario Brothers movie that had come out in the long time ago. And we are not really a movie podcast, obviously, but I thought I had s- some news that I should share with you, and I wanted to get your hot take on it. Oh, God, please. The casting for the new Super Mario Brothers movie. Have you heard oh, this? yes. Can we break it down, please? I would love to do that. Yeah, so first and foremost, who do we got? I mean, we have Chris Pratt <laughs> as the uh, titular character. Chris Pratt as Mario. Now, I like Chris Pratt. He's 100% fine <laughs> as a per, as an actor. He's okay. He's good. He's I, I don't hate him. I know no, why. I, he gets I, he gets some like flack for like religious stuff, but I don't I don't really care. I'm looking at his performances. I think he's fine, you know, he's he hasn't been like completely canceled yet, but I don't see the Mario connection. I am having a very hard time looking at a picture of Mario and picturing Chris Pratt's voice. He has to do a voice, right? Like, he's not going to just do his Chris Pratt voice. It has to be something else. 
It's yeah, I don't know because especially you know we've got Charles Mar- Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario, for the last what twenty years. Like that's such such an iconic voice. Where do you go from there? It is, but that voice cannot carry a movie. You would go insane. No, I I wouldn't want to watch a movie of that. But I'm wondering, is Chris, you know, kind of like you were saying, is Chris Pratt going to maybe meet that in the middle somewhere? He's going to have to because that's too it's too burly and manly of a voice for Mario. Yeah, I'm just not sure, especially with the vision that we all know of Mario. He's a portly little plumber guy. And then we've got Anya Taylor-Joy. And I'll admit, I don't know who this is. But she oh, looks she's like great. Princess Peach. Uh, she's amazing. She was recently uh, won awards, I think, for The Queen's Gambit, which is that Netflix okay. show about a girl who's really freaking good at chess. Yes. Um, she was in The Witch, also a fantastic film. Um, okay. And most recently, she stars in um, Edgar Wright's movie Last Night in Soho. Ah, okay. I'm very okay. excited for that. So no, she, she's she's definitely making a name for herself. Uh, she's kind of having a moment, as they say, and uh, her voice will be just fine for Peach again. I, she could probably just do her regular voice, and it would be fine. We'll rattle a couple of these off here. We got Charlie Day as Luigi. I don't um, see that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I freaking love it. I'm a huge Charlie Day fan. Love that guy. Um, mm-hmm. I think if we play luigi like we do in like luigi's mansion where he's kind of like scared or whatever i can see charlie day's voice working really well against that it has he definitely has to be the more scared brother of the two for his voice to work for sure now these next two i think the i think i can't wait to see what they do with these we've got jack black as bowser and keegan michael keys as toad (laughs) keegan michael key as toad is really strange He's got a great voice, and he's done some voiceover work, and it's been really good. Yep. But are they going to, like, pitch it up, you think? Or are they just going to give him his usual Keegan-Michael Key performance? Because if so, I mean, it's going to be pretty wild. I kind of hope he leans into it and just gives us something like this. You know, like, really. Oh, yeah, something a little more raspy. Uh, yeah, just kind of go. I'm, even if they give, even if he just gives a normal M- Michael Keegan Key... I, I'm not sure if I said his name right just now. If he does a normal <laughs> performance just as himself and they pitch yep. it up, it, it'll it be hilarious. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And then last but not least, we've got – I'll just rattle these off real quick because for me these are whatever. We've got Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Fred hey, wait, Arms- wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't just – glaze over seth rogan as donkey kong that is the only one that is 100 percent perfect like if i'm thinking celebrity voiceovers i go seth rogan for donkey kong no doubt he's got the right voice you you've been saying that for years i've been saying it since i was 10 years old i didn't know who he was but i was like this guy seth rogan he's gonna be donkey, donkey kong. kong one yep. day and 100 um i was laughed out of school and yeah. uh who's laughing now we got Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, which okay. Um, we've got Ke- we've got Kevin Michael Richardson as Comic. I don't know who that is. I don't either. And then Sebastian uh, Maniscalco as Foreman Spike. I don't know sure. who either of those people are. Yeah, right. Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong is pretty funny. I I hope that they just say go crazy, just do something, you know. And I'm and I'm sure he will. All right, so that was a fun five. No, um, <laughs> so that's the news for today. Now, Ian, 
Today, we're going to talk about albums that we love from start to finish. Yeah, kind of like the first one. Um, I feel like every kid, or most kids, they grow up on like top 40 hits. Really, all they know is what's played on the radio or what their parents play for them. And that's kind of how I grew up. I mean, I, I loved all the like the big pop stars growing up. I was, you know, I loved Michael Jackson, you know, all the all the 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 top 40 hits on the radio um it wasn't until i became a teenager that like i was introduced to other music and i just wanted to discuss the albums that we enjoyed front to back that maybe we bought that album for one song but we ended up loving the whole thing and this doesn't include soundtracks i know that's kind of where i've always where i typically go to but i'm talking about like one band one album start to finish and I think that's going to be really interesting, but I have an admission to make. You said not necessarily soundtracks, but guess what? Uh-huh. That's that's what I've done. So you've gotten a little clue. It's a, a soundtrack or score. So I'm going to ask you a question for my choice today. Okay. What do Tone Loke, Beck, and Hanson have in common? Oh, wow. I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> Hang on. Wait, wait. Tone Loke. See, it's probably Funky Cold Medina, right? Can I at least guess the songs on the album? I'll give you another clue here. Um, Please. The the person, the, the connecting person or group was a producer for these three groups for some of their biggest hits. Pretty much everything on Odelay for Beck, a lot of Tone Loke stuff, and Hanson's Umbop. I have no idea, man. You got me. You'll kn- you, And, you, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that... Nobody knows this, but the person or group, group in this case that I'm talking about, is the Dust Brothers. Oh, okay, 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 okay. specifically, my choice for today is the Fight Club score by the Dust Brothers. The Dust Brothers are responsible for a lot of early Tone Loke stuff, pretty much all of Beck's Odelay and Hanson's Umbop. Wow. Yeah, no, I had no idea. Although... The fact that the album is Fight Club and it is the Dust Brothers is that counts as what I'm talking about. It's one artist. One of the things that really interests me about this and something that I've really enjoyed about doing this show is that I'm I'm learning stuff that I didn't know before. For instance, kind of before doing the research for this episode, I looked up the Dust Brothers and I said, or, you know, I had listened to the Dust Brothers and I was like, ah, it's some techno group, but that's not really the case. They're they're hit producers. In fact, I'll go through it here real quick. I, I've got a, a whole list here. They they did the stuff for Tone Loke, Bex Odelay, Hanson Zumbop, like I said. They did the score for Fight Club, which was their first and only score that they've done. Which is nuts. They totally should have done more. Yeah, it's it's out of control, and we'll talk about it briefly, but I think kind of just the whole package is a more interesting idea to me. And then we've got, um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, they also did stuff for Young MC and someone called the Booyah Tribe. Hell yeah, Booyah Tribe. And here's one that I'm sure you'll recognize. In 1989, they produced the huge record Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. Oh, snap. Okay. And as big as that is, that was not their biggest thing. In fact, 96, 97, and 98 were massive, massive years for the Dust Brothers. Uh, they started with the production of several tracks on, on Beck's Adelaide, which I mentioned, uh, specifically Devil's Haircut, New Pollution, and Where It's At. Then yeah. they did a song with Korn called Kick the PA for the Spawn soundtrack. 
Oh man, I know they did a song for the the Saint movie. Yep, if I'm not mistaken, and I remember that song being really freaking cool. That was uh, what I would like to call a trampoline banger. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's a song that you bounce back and forth on a trampoline where you like you jump and you land on your back and then you kind of rotate to the other side of the trampoline and bounce off your back and you just do that a whole bunch while the song plays. It's a it's a rhythm. You got to get it down. Then hold on, let's see here. Oh yeah, and then I'll I'll kind of wrap this up with a couple massive things that they've done. They did uh, the production for Carlos Santana's Supernatural, which was a huge huge album. Yeah, it was. They did uh, some work on the Muppets in Space soundtrack. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Something that's near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way about it. They did the production for Tenacious D's self-titled debut. Oh, wow. Yeah. But man, I am blown away. I wish it, I'm surprised I didn't know this stuff. These are some of my favorite things. <laughs> and and to me, that's what's so interesting about this. Because when I started this, I was like, I'm going to kind of go like I've done in the other Uh, episodes and kind of track by track talk about this and talk about that but for me learning how much the dust brothers shaped so much of the music that we listened to growing up is like mind-boggling yeah because i would venture to say most people don't know who the dust brothers are right i mean technically i don't know who they are i just I know they made the fight club soundtrack and i know about that song on the saint and i want to say they had one hit on the radio was it block rock and beats is that the dust brothers give me two seconds to google yeah do do a google backing on another one of those block rock and beats i'm i'm betting you're gonna tell me the chemical brothers chemical brothers damn yep so close now that's so close and yet not at all there's a funny story behind that the chemical brothers when they were coming up were actually really big fans of the dust brothers and called themselves the dust brothers as an homage to the Dust Brothers. Well, you can't do that. You can't no. do that. <laughs> no, it was, uh, from the get-go, it was obviously confusing, and I think it's kind of got everyone messed up for all of history. Well, because yeah, I mean, you, you make, you know, EDM music in the 90s and put the word brothers on your name, it's going to get confusing. I was clearly confused. I know exactly who the Chemical Brothers were. I had, like, two of their albums. Right, but... and I think a lot of people do, and I and and you're not the only one. Like, if you look it up, there's a lot of uh, crosstalk between fan bases, and mostly it's people being confused as to who the Dust Brothers actually are. So I'll introduce them really quickly. We've got... Michael Easy Simpson and John King Gizmo King. There you go. That's the Dust Brothers. All right. When did they when did they form? I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. Let me Google it, but I think it was like the eighties. Let me see Dust Brothers Dust. Oh wow. So they had a a good long while before they hit it big. I've been doing some research on that exact question you just asked me, and um there's a little website, maybe you've heard of it, Wikipedia.org. Um, mm. it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a font of knowledge and it says that they formed in 1985 and are still currently presently working together. For me, this particular episode is, is not so much about the score, which is fantastic and you should check it out. It was about all of the information that I front loaded and there you go. I thought, I thought that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm sure you remember this, but I remember specifically listening to that soundtrack writing in our friend David Peacock's uh, van. Mm -hmm. And he had a speaker, like, I guess his car, the car didn't have good speakers. So he had like this huge, not a subwoofer, but just like a big cabinet (laughs) speaker in his back seat. And that's what we were listening to on there and we would drive around at like two in the morning and we just listen to that soundtrack and just drive around great for driving around at two o'clock in the morning with your friend in their janky van yeah they actually have a uh a, there's a track on there and i i know anybody who's ever used tiktok or instagram or vine uh will recognize one of the tracks that's it's still used today and it's it's just that small snippet of a song that sounds like elevator music do you know which part I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it starts kind of like a marimba kind of yeah, little... Like, ba, da, da, ba, da, ba, da, da. Yes. Yeah. It's that song. And I hear it. I swear to God, I hear it like maybe once a month on somebody's like YouTube video or like on a TikTok or something. And I always like wonder how they're able to get away with it. There's a, a guy I used to follow and he would use it all the time on his YouTube videos. And I would mm-hmm. think like... How are they not making you take this down? But I don't know. <laughs> Ian, what was the first album? Oops, hold on. I punched the microphone. Ian. Don't punch the microphone. My grandpa always said, never punch the microphone. Your grandpa says a lot of things. What yeah. was your first album that you loved from start to finish? It was 1996's Cake Fashion Nugget. Oh, okay. And it it's everyone will know it from the distance, which is like... Probably their biggest song to date yes. is The Distance. Um, I know they had short skirt and long jacket mm-hmm. like years later, but it did not have the same pull that this song did. So I obviously I bought that soundtrack for that song. Right. Um, and, you know, when I bought it, I would just pretty much only listen to that song. And then I'd do my five second skips through other ones trying to find something I liked. And uh, I think one day I just kind of like started it. Um, and it starts with the song, uh, Frank Sinatra, which is honestly one of the best album starters. And every song is like, the album is perfectly curated. Mm. It has its ups and downs. It has its, it's, uh, you know, it's fun songs. It's sad songs. It's, um, almost rockabilly at times. Yeah. Um, but, and, it, and, and it, the singer is very interesting cause I wouldn't even call him a singer. It's more like spoken word type. Like he doesn't sing notes, but he'll like he'll elongate his words yeah and it's it's really it's kind of like a weird staccato sort of it's 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 almost like he's just kind of fitting words in where he can get them to fit yeah i mean it's it's definitely really fascinating i don't think there's anything out there like cake in fact this was like you know obviously i discovered him through that one song Mm -hmm. um and then i bought their second album and man i just could not for the life of me get into it really i think and so i would just keep coming back to the to fashion nugget yeah man i don't know if you've heard the album no actually i i know their hits and that's about it actually every song could have easily been a hit had they you know pushed for it i think uh in particular they have a cover of i will survive that um rivals the original just for me that's a silly thing to say, obviously. That it's it's my favorite version of that song. I'll say it. That's yeah, it's my favorite version of I Will Survive as Cake's version, <laughs> which is is wild. Yeah. But you know, it's it's got a great start. 
all throughout it's, it's perfect um it's coming down is a really fucking cool song italian leather sofa uh <laughs> is is very strange you don't uh, say as well as as well as race car yayas <laughs> um but um open book daria is really good um and then it ends with sad songs and waltzes which is a really it's like a waltz it's really great yeah um so if any of you 1997 heads want to check it out, go check it out. Now, what I know about the album, like I said, is just from like the radio stuff and their production seemed to be to be very uh, sort of stripped back a little bit. Drum, bass, guitar. I would say that I would say that's true of the distance, but the rest of the album has a lot of like unique instrumentation and like timing structure changes and stuff it's really cool okay and, and that's what i was Sorry, gonna, but, but, but you were saying yeah well no that's what i was gonna ask you because because i was curious like you know is is that something you can expect more of but it, it sounds to me like you're saying that that actually is a song that they may have purposefully brought it back a little bit yeah i i i'm not even entirely sure they could have predicted that that was going to be their number one hit yeah um it's it's i would say the most different from any on, on the rest of the soundtrack, which is, you know, that was pretty standard, I feel like, for a lot of bands in the late 90s, is their hits would be, some would say, like, either their worst song in the album or just the one that doesn't sound anything like it. I mean, you remember Bloodhound Gang's uh, Bad Touch? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Believe, I, believe me, I know. <laughs> that was the only song that was anything like that. Yeah. On that record. There was no, there was no dance music for the rest of the record but for some reason that became a hit i think it's true that you can't predict what people are going to latch on to i actually saw something today about the group alien ant farm do you remember them oh absolutely i do they have one of the best cover songs ever but not just that they were just really good they were and i and i actually in fact their bassist is still on youtube doing things but that's a different story their their first song that they ever released as a single was called movies movies yeah yeah now you know it because i think you and i kind of pay a little bit more of attention but it didn't catch on right no it really didn't and so then they came out with smooth criminal which was a which can we i i I definitely want to talk about that for a minute because i feel like to take on a michael jackson song and to make it your own and for it to be as successful and enjoyed as it was is an amazing feat. It's baffling that it worked because they, you know, whether you like Michael Jackson or not, and and I'm one of those that does, his his whole catalog is pretty much untouchable. And they somehow made it their own, like you said, but also at the same time, it was kind of like an earnest homage. Yeah, no, it definitely it was. It was you could feel their, you know, their intention and their heart was in it. And um you know, it's one of those songs that if you watch the video while listening to it for the first time, mm-hmm. it like the video sticks with you and that's like what you associate it with and all the homages they paid to Michael Jackson music videos are all present and it's really cool. Yeah, it's it's if you like callbacks to videos that existed before, that video will get you through cuz it's pretty much every scene has a callback to another Michael Jackson video. And I think they genuinely did it with some love and you can see that, I think. Yeah. It wasn't done. Like you could, you could look at it and hear it and maybe think, Oh, they're just like, they're making fun, but no, they're, they're just enjoying Michael Jackson paying tribute, but doing it in their way, which is pretty unique. Cause that singer's voice is not for everyone. No, for sure. But speaking of voices, the bass players, whoa, 
is about spot on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mine, not so much because I've got a really dry mouth, but his, oof, is good. Uh, here, let me try it. <clears throat> How's that? Pretty good. Now, it sounded like cart. It sounded like Cartman, but I've had that happen a couple times where people said I sound like Carton, and, and maybe it's because my name is Eric. I don't know, but hey. you know. So going back to Alien Ant Farm, though, you know, like I said, you can't predict what songs are going to catch because they released movies. They thought that was going to be the one, didn't kick off. They released Smooth Criminal, which blew up, and then you want to know what they did after Smooth Criminal. What'd they do? They put movies out again. No way. Yeah, they 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 must have felt like people maybe just didn't get it the first time. I mean, that's pretty smart. If that's the song you want people to know you by, and it's like, ah, they didn't they didn't catch us the first time, but now that we're popular, now they they'll check us out. No, I think it's I I I totally get it. Like if I was in the position and I thought that that was the song that I wanted people to to get i would have done the same thing i think i guarantee you though i mean while it was a really cool thing it it had to have basically ruined live shows for them because all people want to hear is them play somebody else's song yeah and i think that's you know and i think that's probably true for any group that their first hit is a cover song like like limp biscuit i think was lucky that faith wasn't the last thing they did you know what i mean Right. Was I, although with Faith, was it even on the radio or is just this? Oh, it was. It they was MTV video. They had a video and everything. Wow. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And that was like really early days for them. Like that was their first album. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was like early days for even like being on the first album. Like I think they probably were still working on getting a a contract at the time. And it's I I, I don't know what the difference is, but. A lot of people that do covers as their first hit, usually that's kind of what they're stuck doing, you know. And not for nothing, that Alien Ant Farm album is amazing, and Smooth Criminal is actually my least favorite song on that really? album. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my favorite Alien Ant Farm song is actually Attitude. Attitude. I'll have to look it up. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot about their catalog, but I'll check it out. That's good. Definitely check out Alien Ant Farm. So we need to check out Alien Ant Farm. We need to check out cake what was the name of that one fashion nugget fashion nugget and the score to fight club a, a nice little triptych of albums to listen to yeah in fact this this is kind of fun i i'd almost like to try this again next week and just kind of talk about just a favorite album yeah sure we could absolutely do that and or we can or we can crack into some of our vinyls that we've gotten absolutely in fact i know that you and i have both amassed a little bit of uh a vinyl collection so maybe we could do that next time we could talk a little bit about the whole experience if you will yeah i actually um just did an impulse buy on vinyl moon today so oh yeah yeah uh in fact i couldn't even tell you the name of the album i just bought i um i i saw the um it, it's not even necessarily like a cool variant like record color yeah i just been like I've just been sifting through and clicking on them and listening to them, basically, just kind of seeing what they got. That, um, that's Well, that's right, because Vinyl Moon has them all available to stream, right? Yeah, you can, like, sample them, basically. And so I just, I listened to, like, I sampled, like, three tracks, and I was like, you know what? I'm digging this. Uh, I'm buying it. It's um, Men I Trust is the name of the group. Okay. And the name of the album is Headroom. Men I Trust Headroom. I'll have to check that one out. That's... 
See, that's one of the things. Like I, like I said, I did maybe a 10 second sample of three songs and I said, I'm buying it. So <laughs> that's awesome when that happens. I could, I could, I could have messed up, man. You know, it could be like maybe that's the only good few song, seconds of those three songs, and then the rest of the album sucks. But I'm about to find out. Well, it's awesome when stuff like that happens. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's awesome when stuff like that happens because you never know exactly when it's gonna come. Because as a, as a prime example, I also recently bought um, Impulse bought an album. I was at. Oh God, where were you? Oh, where am I now? Oh no! Oh no! I'm in a closet. Oh no! I'm in a closet. Not again! I can... <laughs> Help! Not again! Hold on! No, it wasn't Led Zeppelin. I'm gonna cut all this out. Spinster Records. No, Truth Final. What? Free Every Young Records. So I also recently just did a Impulse Biles at Docs Records and Vintage in Fort Worth. I know Docs. Yeah, it's a good spot. It's a cool little place, right? And while we were there, my wife actually she saw the cover of this album it was in like a sparkly glittery silver like lenticular sort of cool thing with like these three characters on the front looked really neat and i said you know what let's just buy it based on how it looks literally judging a book by its cover right nice she said no 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 you know it's like 40 dollars because you know it's double lp and can't whatever so we went in the car we streamed like the first three songs from the album and she told me to go back in and buy it. And the album, Smart. yeah, the album that we bought was by, I'm going to butcher the name here because it is French. La Imperatrice by, uh, no, see, I told you I'd mess this up. The album is called Taco Tsubo by the French group La Imperatrice, which is a sort of a, a sort of like a low chill funk album. And it's, it's so good. So, all right. Yeah. Send me uh Send me a screenshot. I'll I, check it out. I will. It's it's super good to listen to. And, and you know, we did it naturally, but that was our segment, What Have We Been Listening To? Hey, I think that is uh, basically what this show should be about. That is what this show <laughs> is all about. And for anyone out there listening, if there's something that you have been listening to that you would like to let us know about or you would like to have us cover more in depth, let us know. You can email us at cdsnutspod at gmail.com you can also catch us on all of the socials which are pretty much all cdsnutspod at cdsnutspod let us know what are you listening to what should we listen to what should what should we be listening to because if you'll notice all of these albums that we've been listening to on this show so far have been before 2000 <laughs> they're old albums they're old albums and we need help so let us know what you're listening to let us know what we could listening to and I'm going to get out of here and go drink a glass of water. So, Ian. Derek. That's it. I'm just, that's, I'm out of here. Okay. Well, you know, you know what they say. What do they say? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, Saturday, a show from Australia that I've never seen. Yep. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or night, and we'll be CDing you. <laughs> hey, that's the one. That's, that's the one. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.